Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app, Red Army Bet. About fans, by fans, for fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. Have you ever seen I'm in Ann Arbor. Have you ever seen Gerard? Ever seen Gerard? Ever seen Gerard with a lead? Have you fought? Have you ever seen Gerard with a lead? Have you ever seen Gerard with a lead? Have you ever seen Gerard? Ever seen Gerard? Ever seen Gerard with a lead? Have you fought? So. Street is packed. There's loads of United Liverpool fans singing away. Never seen this before. in Ann Arbor, just started a podcast, everyone started singing, Ann Arbor is a college town, it has the biggest stadium I think in America, 109,000 people, it's called the Big House, the stadium, the Michigan Stadium, and when there's an event there, the whole of the main street gets cordoned off, it's full of bars, and it's been cordoned off tonight, it's full of United and Liverpool fans. I've never seen United and Liverpool fans drinking together because even when it's an FA Cup final, you'd have United pubs and you'd have Liverpool pubs. So you literally walk to the bar here and people are singing Manchester is full of shit and it looks like it's pretty even. Uh, there's not many police around. There could be trouble. It'd only take one little incident to spark it. Although if you start causing problems in America, then... You'd be very foolish um, with the system here if you were to assault somebody. It's 10 o'clock at night. I've flown here from Los Angeles, which is so it's a three-hour time difference. And what's now happening is I've met a few of my mates and we've met a few other lads. So United fans who've travelled over are starting to congregate and having a bit of a sing-off against Liverpool fans. We're expecting a crowd of about 100,000. It could get pretty rowdy here because you've got people who've had a beer who don't really know the nuances and you've got barmies as well who they just need to be sparked. So if this was in England now, a bottle would have been thrown by now. But we're not in England. We're in Michigan. And there's lots of people around having a good time. This might be an interesting podcast. I'm with Mark Ogden. Mark is the senior football writer. I think I've got the job description right. For ESPN, he used to work for the Daily Telegraph and for the Independent. How's it going with ESPN, Mark? It's good, yeah. They're, uh, you know, they're really serious about football. You do a bit for yourself, you know. that They're very kind of the football fans first, I think. And I don't think they have the same um, appetite for, I shall say this, not controversy, but just the just football. I think it's about football for them rather than the kind of off-field stuff. So it's uh, it's good, you know. They're, they're keen on giving the game a big push, and the numbers have gone through the roof in the last couple of years. Certainly, I said the World Cup was massive. This tour in the States is really big. You know, whenever there's Premier League games and our Champions League games on United, Real Madrid, Liverpool, those teams, just, the, the traffic's massive, and you know, they give me they, they give me um, traffic numbers sometimes. The stuff I write and way way bigger than anything I did for the Telegraph or the Independent mm. just got a much bigger reach yeah yeah I like it I've done stuff for them for a few years and I like people who invest in journalism and in the last year I can just think of 
big sit-downs I've done with former United players like Berbatov, Raphael, went to Brazil to see Anderson. And, and to get 4,000 words, you wouldn't get that in, you struggle to get that in a newspaper. And, then, and they just go massive. Yeah. I, think, it's, I think one thing that they are good at is, is, is spotting what people want to read about and what people don't want to read about. So the big six... They want to read about, but if you actually whittle that down to like the big three, and I think that's it's United, Liverpool, and Arsenal. That they're the they're the teams the biggest following. So I suppose it's quite a sad thing, but Watford, Everton, West Brom, etc. All, the, all these clubs, it's really hard to make them work online because nobody reads it. But if you can write about a team in red, then you're halfway there. And I think that's what it's all about. You know, that it's a massive, massive, uh, interesting United, Arsenal, Liverpool. And I've been speaking to lads from other newspapers. City are still a long way behind. Obviously, they're the best team at the moment, but in terms of how well read they are, they're way, way off Manchester United. Yeah, but I suppose if you're a United fan, you'd happily swap the coverage you get for a few trophies, and City have got that in the minute. But, um, you know, I, I don't know whether, whether, you, whether clubs can grow as big as United and Liverpool anymore. I just think there's so much kind of residue, kind of accumulated growth in terms of the fan base that, that you know, the, the whole world's got a, got a club to support already so you know Chelsea did quite well but I think you know they've had 10, 12, 13 years under Brambridge of success and, and they're still not in the same league as United and Liverpool so City have got that to come up against they've also got the fact that they're in the same city as United but like I say that they're, they're getting a lot of things right City in terms of on the pitch and off the pitch so uh, whether having a tenth the amount of fans United have got is, is a big deal I think winning things is what matters I think if you had to ask United for now who's going to win the European Cup or the Premier League first it'll be City rather than United Do you think United can win anything this season? What have you made of their close season in terms of the transfer activity? They can win the League Cup or the FA Cup but they're not going to win the League or the Champions League are they? and I guess ultimately that's all that really matters didn't used to 30 years ago you'd be happy with the FA Cup but I just don't think United are anywhere near winning the League or the, or the Champions League What's the summer been like? Well I didn't really expect a lot of business this summer. I think, you know, they've spent a lot over the years, last couple of years, and whether they spent it wisely or not, I don't know, but I just think there's so many things to address at United, you know. What? The manager, the manager's mood. I just don't see how he can motivate people to get him motivate himself. You know, he's, it's hard to watch him and listen to him at times, and it's just a continuation of last season. I had five weeks in, Brazil, in, in Russia, which is fantastic. You know, the most uplifting football experience I've had for a long time for everybody you know even England did well and everybody came back there with a real uplift and you, three days later you see Mourinho with his face in LA moaning about this moaning about that it's like you know, change the record Jose we don't want to hear it you're, you're the manager man of Manchester United yeah exactly you're the, you're the guy that's better making things different so if you're not happy with things sort it out before you get, get to America and you know put your foot down it's almost like he's got a he wants to blame everybody for everything but he doesn't take any responsibility for himself in terms of you know, if X, Y, or Z is wrong, deal with it before you come out here. You know, we're in Detroit in the minute before the uh, United-Liverpool game. and The team got here at nine o'clock on Friday night. They're staying in downtown Detroit, which is, it's basically, if you land at Manchester Airport, it's like heading to Manchester when you need to be in Liverpool. So they've got a 50-mile journey to the stadium today and they're flying out straight out of the game. So the organisation, why on earth are they staying in Detroit? Just little things like that. Just little th- Liverpool are staying in Ann Arbor, which is the centre about two miles from the stadium. The small details make a big difference. I think United's attention to these details at the minute is just completely off, you know, and, and they, they build up to bigger things. And it's partly why Mourinho's moaning. But like I said, at the end of the day, he's in control of that. Once again, they're in Los Angeles this summer. He loves the UCLA, but you've seen this place in Michigan. It's it's a fantastic facility. It's huge. It's also four hours closer to Manchester and LA. So you know, why not stay a bit closer to home? It's just strange I just think you know that's one of the issues and you know another issue is that the back five that we saw so often last year De Gea and Gold Valencia Smalling Jones Young all Ferguson signings we had five years post Ferguson and they still haven't got a defence <laughs> what is what's one area they're looking to improve they're looking to get a central defender any other areas you think United need to improve but just on that Andy they, they bought a central defender for the last two summers in Eric Bailly and Victor Lindelof and they're still looking for centre 30 million each yeah and they're still looking for centre half so I, I rate Bailey. I don't, don't particularly rate Lindelof but you know Harry Maguire seriously do you know I, I just think it's uh, is it I worry if it, that it's of a fashion because he's had a good World Cup. And he had a great World Cup against Panama and Tunisia yeah. and maybe Sweden, but we're not, we're not talking like Champions League quality, but you know, 
yeah, we've talked about the defence, so what else do they need to address? Well, they're desperate for a, a number 10 like Eden Hazard, David Silva, Felipe Coutinho, Christian Eriksen. They're really, really desperate for that because they haven't got anybody in the final third of the pitch who can open the back four. Now, you know, Mata could do that in the past, but I just think physically Mata's not strong. The modern game's past Juan Mata by, I think. I just think it's quick enough anymore. So, you know, it desperately needs somebody with a bit of stardust in that final third. That doesn't come cheap, but they haven't got that. Sanchez isn't quite that player. He's a, he's not, a, he's not a number ten. And I just think in midfield, you know, Fellaini's done his job in the past, but I think they should have said to Fellaini in the last season, "Thanks for all you've done, but on your way." Martial, I'd let him go as well. I'm having a bit of rant here, aren't I? Well, that's, I, on Fellaini, just before we get into Martial, on Fellaini, I think that while Man United rely on Maron Fellaini, they've got a problem. I just think he's he's, he's not what makes Man United a better team. Anthony Martial, I think if you take out his debut against Liverpool, what has he actually done? Not really, flattered to deceive. And I'll, I'll speak to mates of mine who are United fans and I said, if, if you give me now a 25-year-old nanny or a 25-year-old Anthony Martial, I'll take nanny every time. All the stick that nanny got, he won games, he scored great goals, he made a difference. I thought he was unfairly critical. He, you know, he had his moments where he was a, you know, flattered to deceive. But Martial does Wingers that. do that though, don't they? Yeah, but Martial... It's not even a one in ten. It's probably a one in fifteen. You know, Nani was probably one in five, and I just think I don't think Martial leaving to be the new Kevin De Bruyne or Mo Salah in terms of really letting a bad one go. I just think he's had enough chances. Pogba. I, I feel sorry for Pogba a bit because I think this is another one of the Mourinho things. Where the World Cup finishes, Pogba's on a real high. He's had a great tournament for France, and he looks a player. He didn't even dye his hair, you know, so he's obviously concentrating a lot. And Jose comes out as a dig about, you know, I hope he knows why he played so well. And then there's another dig about his, uh, his focus. Yeah, I think his focus at times back in Manchester is a bit, you know, not where it should be. But for me, what he should have done, he should have said, had a great tournament, Pogba. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to working this season. I think he's, he's shown what we, what we all knew he had. And I'm going to give him the captaincy because the captaincy will make him bring some more responsibility to his game get rid of the silly stuff that sometimes is a bit too, that immaturity might make him grow up a little bit because Antonio Valencia's 32 he gets a lot of injuries he doesn't speak that good English so why are you giving it to him and then he was asked Jose was asked well, Ozar has been in England for so long yeah. he doesn't speak English but then Jose was asked what if Valencia's not fit and he says oh well there's Chris Small and there's uh, Ashley Young there's one matter didn't mention Pogba uh, the, Pogba wants it yeah and the example, there's two examples I give there's, there's Cantona and Roy Keane you know Cantona was was the captain because he led by example and he led because he was Cantona he, he wasn't a captain figure but Fergie gave it to him made him a different player you know Roy Keane was you know hard to handle before he got the captain and again it was like what are you giving it to him for but it makes them grow and mature as players responsibility. yeah and I think that's exactly what Pogba needs right now mm. and the fact that Mourinho's overlooked him means he's not giving that responsibility he's just giving more of a a reason to resent his manager do you think Mourinho will be Manchester United manager in a year's time no I don't know if he'll be manager at Christmas, to be honest. I think they need to start well, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I think he's got a need... lot of good players. He's got a good squad. It does have a good squad, but uh, you know, somebody said a long time ago to me that all teams eventually reflect the personality of the manager, and I think that's true. You know, Liverpool are kind of a an exciting team, a team that will just you know play off the cuff, and City the same. But United finished above them last year. They did, but Liverpool got to the Champions League final. United so, beat Liverpool yeah absolutely but you know again it's like you put the two teams together and I think that Liverpool this se- I, Liverpool this season are a better bet to win, to win trophies than United because they've got much more flair going forward I think they've sorted the defence out with Van Dijk they've got a good goalkeeper now so I think United fans United fans need to avoid falling at the, same, the trap of the old City fans in terms of yeah but they've got this and we've got that and this you've got to look at what, you know, where you are now it's like Ian Brown it's not where you're from it's where you're at and where, where Man United right now is a bit of a dark place you know it's, uh, there's not a lot of charisma going on I think part of the darkness comes from a very disappointing end to the season um, which didn't a season which didn't start too badly and City winning the league by such a gap and Liverpool reaching the European Cup final but those final games of the season were atrocious the games at, at Brighton and West Ham it was like they'd all just completely given up but United still beat Arsenal away last season beat City away last season beat yeah. Liverpool at home beat Chelsea yeah. uh, th- I'm just playing devil's advocate but they got a lot of points I'm not saying the football was oh, good absolutely I agree with that but but for me the motivation of Mourinho is let down by the fact that they, they lost at Huddersfield they lost at Brighton they lost at Newcastle three promoted teams Yeah. and they dropped points against Southampton over Christmas I mean 
if he's the if he's the great motivator, why can't he motivate his players to perform against the, the lesser teams? They could, they, I mean, he's trying to, but it's just not working. Well, exactly. So that means his message, if his message isn't getting through, either change the message or change the guy with the message. What do you change though? Who do you bring in? Who's he? Well, this is the problem because yeah. there's no really, nobody really on the market. And I mean, it's again as we started this, there's a lot of issues to address. I think we strip it all back. It's now five years post Fergie. Yeah. Ed Woodward's had five years in charge. He's made three managerial appointments. Maybe you can let him off the moors. But the, the last three appointments they've made as managers, I think, have been innately safety-first managers. So why why have they done that? Did they know they were doing that? The football people at United, did they know that they were going for pragmatic coaches that would have kind of clashed with the club's heritage? Was that a, was a reason for that? Um, so what is what is United's kind of DNA for the next manager? What, what do they want? What you know? Do you think anyone knows what they want? No, I mean, you know, Man City, when they got Guardiola, knew exactly what they wanted. They but they had Bergeristein. He knew yeah, what he was getting. Exactly. And he trusted him. Because they worked together. I, I think what United do... You know, Richard Arnold, Edward, with the Glazers sit in a room and start be like, is you draw up a list of five managers who are the managers at the moment, without thinking of the next wave could be, and just so and just look at the list. I mean, who's who's that list? Well, they're all they're all in jobs. Zidane's Dan's not in the job, but you know, that wouldn't work. Not you know, he he worked for Madrid because he was Madrid. You know, Arsene Wenger's out of work, but you know that's not going to work either, is it? There's there's nobody. You know, Pochettino he keeps getting mentioned. I know he's very close. He was on a list of three last time when Jose got it, but he signed a new long-term contract at Tottenham. He's not won anything at Tottenham. Tottenham always failed at the end of the season. Is he only successful? Is he only well, relatively successful at Spurs for the players he's got? If that's the case, how many of those players can he get to United? I don't think many. So I don't know how good Pochettino is, but is he at least a guy who plays with a front foot mentality and the players seem to like him? Um, but beyond that. I love Michael Carrick, but I can't. You can't just ask Michael Carrick to, to manage when United after six months coaching. You know, I'd, right? You know, I'd give Ryan Giggs a chance because that was the whole idea at the time, wasn't it? That he was being groomed as a, as a long-term replacement. And I wrote, I wrote in support of him, and it was a very unpopular thing to write. And I told him, it said, "Your his approval ratings were like five percent from Manchester yeah, United fans because people associated him with." With Van Hall, and I can see why people didn't want him to be manager. And Mourinho was the closest thing to being a guaranteed success. But two years into him, I think some people will be revising their opinions. Like that. I think what what United fans will want is someone that will put a team out that plays the way they want to play. That will it sound like Kevin Keegan here, but would rather win four three than win one nil. You know, it's a romantic notion, but you know, I think if you had Ryan back, Paul Scholes back coaching the kids involved so that when players come in they're looking at people that have actually been there and done it for the club feel the club feel the passion for the club that have got got the club's best interests at heart and I don't think Jose Mourinho has I don't think you know Fergie had Fergie, Fergie lived and breathed for Man United you know he, he could see that the anger he felt when United lost or when City won or, and I, I think with Mourinho I just think it's all about him it's not about Man United it's all about how his, how his image is not the club's I think Ryan needs to do well with Wales yeah, I mean, and get himself back into a position where he's not really been in terms of United fans enough of them thinking that's <coughs> the right man to do the job no you know and I've no nothing to base it on the fact that I just think he feels feels the United way of doing things I think I am with you but then obviously the people upstairs probably don't so um, you know who knows would, would Gareth Southgate do this because he's had a good summer he's popular this is the problem with it. there's no clear strategy that that you're aware of. there's nobody that you think like they want this that and that they want the man to come in and do this you know it's really hard to you know Allegri Juventus would he be a candidate well you're just, you're just looking for managers that have won things in the past you don't know why they've won things they've won things at Juventus it's the flavour of the month yeah but then it was when United were about to give Sven-Goran Eriksson the job in 2002 yeah. I mean, the, the, risk the, one, the one I do think would be a good fit even though he plays football in a Maybe a pragmatic way, Simeone, but yeah. I just don't think he'd come. I, don't, I think he's had the opportunity in the past to come. And... He's the king of Madrid. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't speak English. No. His family are in Madrid and Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I like Ryan a lot. I'd love the idea of Ryan being Manchester United manager. I also like Luis Enrique a lot. I think he's a very good manager and he's been perfecting his English, but he's just taken the Spain job. So. Yeah, I mean, who's available at the time? Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, you know. You know, you look at the people who've won things, you wouldn't give it to Didier Deschamps. It's. That's why it's important for United to be smart and strategic. And I just worry that the people at the club that are making decisions aren't either. 
they can, you know, they can make loads of money commercially, but can they pick a football manager? Maybe not. Thank you for your time. No problem. There's very few travelling United fans who've made it over the Atlantic to watch the Reds on their 2018 pre-season tour. But fans can watch every pre-season tour game live and exclusive on MUTV. Live games include friendlies against Club America and San Jose Earthquakes before United enter the ICC tournament facing the likes of AC Milan, Liverpool and Real Madrid. United then fly back to England and on to Bavaria for a final game against Bayern Munich on August 5th. United fans can find MUTV on Sky Channel 418 and it costs just £7 a month with no contract to watch all six games. Search MUTV Sky or go to Channel 418 to find out more info or to watch pre-match build-up for free ahead of each game. I'm with Paul Hurst, who's the United correspondent for the Times newspaper. We're in the press box at the Michigan Stadium. Uh, you've been on the full tour, Paul. What have you made of it so far from Manchester United's perspective? Well, it's just been a very kind of negative vibe around the whole tour, really. It's, it's kind of come from the manager, basically. He's, he's a kind of source of negativity. We've, got, we've only seen him smile once on this tour, and that's when he was talking about his daughter's graduation that he couldn't attend in London. Uh, the first press conference in, in LA. He's just been negative ever since, you know, rolling out the excuses and getting the, you know, painting a very negative picture about United, about this tour, which, you know, it's, it's quite alarming, really. I, I remember Van Gaal's first tour uh, four years ago. The first thing he said in his press con- first press conference was, you know, that this, this tour's not good because, you know, of all the commercial appearances, etc. I thought I was really kind of really bad you know bad thing to do but and yeah I walked out of this stadium four years ago having watched Manchester United play very very well against Real Madrid yeah. I think uh, Ashley Young was played as a defence and they not played there uh, previously and I thought Van Hall's onto something even but on this tour we've not even really seen United playing well no a bit better against Milan but the first two games were dreadful yeah they were pretty yeah, I mean, particularly the second game for me was, was pretty uh, pretty dreadful against San Jose it's, it's just San Jose's reserves exactly yeah who had not who made what was it 15-16 changes during the match and had not had not uh, kept a clean sheet until they played United uh, so it's pretty drab the only kind of positive um, the only positive player that I've you know, seen is Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, he's been good. The first and team player, but the youngins have played. Well. Pereira's done very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like um, Chong as well. Yeah. Particularly in the first match, I thought he played very well, yeah. very confident. Um, I, th- I like Mason Greenwood as well. Yeah. He's got a lot. Of, you know, there's a lot of talk about him coming through and doing well. Obviously, he realises he's only 16, which is just shows you how kind of threadbare this squad is. But Sanchez looks sharp. He looks lean. He looks fit. He looks eager. Uh, he looks ready to impress, and he's, he's, he's by far the most threatening player. That they've had on this tour, it looks really good. So that's that's one positive for the season. What's it been like as a journalist to cover it? It's good, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the, going to LA is, you know, obviously uh, Jose likes it there. He likes the facilities, um, but yeah. So it's you know, we, obviously it's a great city to go to. Um, but it's a bit kind of difficult with the with the time difference for us. You know, getting up. Yeah. Sort of quite early yeah, yeah. to, to, to sort of five, four, five in the morning to kind of check in with the desk because they, you know, we were eight hours, uh, eight hour time difference. But then, you know, when you have to sort of work a day ahead, as it were. But you know, we, there's some great cities. We've, we've been to these places before, and you know, to to, um, to Michigan, to LA, to San Jose, and you know, they're all fantastic cities. They're all, you know, quite, you know, quite well attended generally, apart from you know the first couple of matches here. So it's yeah, it's, it's a great, great, um, great thing to do. I noticed Liverpool being very proactive with their media. I've seen Jurgen Klopp mixing with fans, going on the Anfield Rap yeah. podcast. And to be fair to Jose, he did an interview for, for United We Stand. But they seem to be going about things in a very different way and they're getting praised for the way that they're dealing with the media. How, how do you think United compare to other clubs, including Liverpool, in the, the way they were the media? Well, with that, with Liverpool, I did... Um was part of a, a round table with Jurgen Klopp yesterday the, with the national press. It was 35 minutes with him, you know, and it was really kind of really deep kind of analysis, very kind of open about what happened in the Champions League final, about what's coming up for the season, about signings and how they went about all their signings this summer. And it just kind of it felt really kind of positive 
really as if he wanted to you know tell you what's going on what's going on inside the club and obviously the fans get to read that so they get to know what's going on inside the club so they you know they, there's a there's stronger connection there between the fans and the club through the media through social media as well but whereas United just seem to be a bit more of a closed shop at the moment I mean we you know we, we kind of we get sort of less access when it comes to players uh, we're not we're not spoke to the manager apart from in, in press conferences yet um, and I just think that it's kind of chalk and cheese at the moment between the two clubs and that he doesn't you know it's not good for the relationship between the press and the manager the club and the manager it's like a more kind of open access policy would would you know would help matters I mean I, I did um, I did the England press day before the World Cup where they put all 23 players up and it's just you just it gives you a chance to develop a trust you know between players and the media you get to know each other better so you're more likely to treat, treat each other with respect um, so I think you know a lot of Premier League clubs could learn from that idea so I'm on the main street in Ann Arbor there's a lot more Liverpool fans I've got to be honest it pains me to say it and I don't know why and I just saw a young lady with a Manchester United cap on what's your name where are you from Becky I'm from Detroit your fiance is from where Earlham, Manchester. Right, I like this. Were you a United fan, or are you a United fan because of your fiancé? Is your fiancé a Red? Yes, he's a United fan, but I was a United fan before I ever met him. And then, wow, what are the odds on that? You support Manchester United, and where did you meet him? I met him at Michigan State at a party. Right, and you told him you were a United fan? Yes, some guy was talking to him about football, and soccer, he said, and I walked over to him and had to tell him that he didn't know what he was talking about, and it was um, true love ever since. So what was his his child blind then? Just being a United fan basically helped him, didn't it? I was the one that chatted him up. Some some American guy was talking to him about soccer and didn't know what he was talking about. That is fantastic. (laughs) And how long have you been with him? Um, Three years. And you've been over to Manchester? Yeah, seven times. You like it? I love it. You've been to a game? I have. I've been to three. Yeah? Yep, at the Field of Dreams. (laughs) And um, how would you describe Manchester United's support in Detroit? It's pretty big. There's actually a place in Royal Oak that you can go and you can watch the game. And um, there's Manchester United fans that go. But, yeah, there's a lot of fans here. And Detroit uh, is a big soccer football city. I mean, I was there a couple of years ago because United were here four years ago, Mm -hmm. weren't they? Yeah. It's a fascinating city. It's a big city. It's a big city. It's a big... um, So they support it. And a lot of kids we grow up playing. Yeah. And we love it. Yeah. And football here is becoming more popular. Yeah. Yeah. More people are playing it, more people are watching it. Mm -hmm. I've been following the full tour. I was at the LA Derby the other night. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed by the atmosphere. Although I found it strange that LASC have only been in existence for, for one year and they've got like a, this rivalry and I'm thinking, where's it come from? What's a, <laughs> where's a historical um, enmity? So tell, me, tell people listening to this in the UK against the backdrop of a Steven Gerrard song, um, tell us something about Ann Arbor. Um, Ann Arbor is a quirky little artsy town. Lively, it's fun. If you're from the UK, you should come. It's interesting. It's different. How optimistic or pessimistic are you about Manchester United's chances this season? This season? I hope they do really well. Mm. And we got Pogba. Hopefully, coming off the World Cup, he'll kick ass this season. Yeah. Walking towards the ground and loads of bars absolutely packed the, the stadium must be brilliant for the economy of, of Ann Arbor here and there's three lads drinking cans of Boddington's where are you from? Uh, Chicago, south of Chicago what's your name? Jim and you're a season ticket holder at Manchester United despite uh, living south of Chicago that's right <laughs> how far south like the Antarctic about or, no, uh, just 80 a little miles bit. South. okay <laughs> and that's quite far farm, farm, yeah, farm country, country. Um, country and, yeah. and how often would you go to England? two or three times a season yeah and, and a what, couple times went to Wembley for the League Cup final and the FA Cup final hung oh. out the torch there and what did you do with your season ticket when you weren't going to the well game? it's uh, friends and family yeah <laughs> right I have a cousin in Manchester so and what did friends of yours in south of Chicago think of you supporting this English I thought football. I was bad shit crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chicago I mean, tell me about it it's a great sporting city isn't it right, you've got right. the Bears you've got the, the Cubs you've got the, the, the White Sox but 
but Chicago much, Fire. Chicago Fire. Yeah. I, I've never been, but I heard they're a uh, you know, local <laughs> soccer. But for you, it's just United. Right. Yeah? Just yeah. United. Where, what's your name? Where are you from? My name is Ian. I'm from Newcastle. I've lived here for 32 years, though. Right. And I can see your Geordie coming out as you speak to me. Oh, yeah. When I, when, when I first asked you where you were from, I thought you were from, like, Connecticut or something like that. And what took you here? Uh, met the wife. Yeah. In London. We lived in London. I was on the number 11 bus in London. Yeah. And why does a man from Newcastle upon Time support Manchester United? Because I got sick of going to London being called a Geordie bastard. Right. So I met with the Cockney Reds down there, and here we are. So you travelled to games with the Cockney Reds? No, I didn't. Yeah. I only I only saw Manchester when he played in London. Right. So you go to so games? That, that was nearly every other week when yeah. he came down there. So that was a good one. Yeah. yeah so you're yep. going. And what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Seamus O'Kane from Carnock, County Antrim, Northern Ireland. Okay. And I why? Became, you... I became a United fan when I met Billy Whelan. When I, was, when I was 10 years old. Tell me about your meeting I with met, Billy Whelan. Yeah, Billy we were, is a... He came through school. He came through our primary school up north and uh, taught the class for a while. Yeah. And uh, Billy or Liam Whelan? Liam Whelan. Oh, sorry, right. Okay. Yeah. Depending what part of the country you're from, you'd call him Billy or Liam. You know what I really? mean? Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Too many Billys in the north for us, so we, <laughs> right. we, we called him Liam. <laughs> so this is this is a, an education for me now. So Liam Whelan, Liam Whelan came, came through, through your our school. primary school up in Northern Ireland. And, and Liam obviously the, died at Munich. Died two years later, yeah. And there, there is a, a bridge in Munich, uh, in Dublin, named after him. Is that right? Yeah, there is. is and um, what was your impression of meeting him? How old were you? What did he say oh, to you? I, I, I didn't know who he was. Uh, the, the, Mr. Gallagher, the teacher, says, does anyone know who this fella is here? And there's only one person in the class. Says, That's Liam Whelan from uh, Manchester United. And after that, uh, you know... He came into your first, school to give a talk. My first impression and give a talk. And uh, immediately I was my first major uh, player. How old me. were you? Ten. And when he died two years later, yeah, how did you feel? Because you'd met him. I'd met him. And when I'm in a red hood, uh, passed away in the crash, I'd like him stunned. So I'd met him two years ago and he was gone, you know. And then when did you move to America? Uh, 1970. What brought you over here? Uh, Erlingus. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> but I bet he wasn't out of Belfast, was it? <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Right? So anyway, all good. Um, Very good. So once you'd arrived here from Dublin, I'd assume, <laughs> from Dublin. on your Aer Lingus flight, yeah, yeah. what was your reason to come here? For work or for love I or met for pleasure? A, I, uh, for love, yeah. I met, a girl, uh, I met a girl in Belfast at Queen's University, and she's an American girl from California, and she headed out here uh, about six, eight months before I did, and I, I followed, followed later. And you were studying at Queen's? I studied at Queen's, yeah. Good. I did it for Queen's. Yeah? Sorry. Good yeah. university? Pretty good university, yeah. How often do you go back? I had been going back about every couple of years, mm-hmm. but recently it's uh, been about four years since I've been back now. Yeah. So I'm going back in September. And how do you get your Manchester United fix? Uh, well, hanging around with these lads every Saturday morning. Uh, I've, been, I've been to Old Trafford only once. Okay. To my, to my, to my eternal regret. Give a shout out that to O'Shaughnessy. That was when, yeah, O'Shaughnessy's okay. is the pub in Chicago, that uh, big man new pub in Chicago, and uh, the lads, they all meet there. We're up at uh, 5.30 a.m. on Saturday morning, sometimes yeah. to see the noon game. In the middle of there. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Heading yeah. down there. It's a great brilliant. city, Chicago, no? Brilliant city. Brilliant. The owner's United, so he ends up and with all the yeah. Very, very hot brilliant. in the summer and very cold oh, in the winter, exactly, no? Exactly, exactly. But, you know, you've got to be hardy, you know? Uh, no, we got, we get the four seasons here, no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. Love your podcast, Andy. Yeah, I'm funny. glad you like it. And you Andy. listen to the podcast. Yeah, Fantastic. You know, um, so many people over here have been saying they listen to these podcasts. And half the time, we're just talking along, chatting to people. And you don't, you don't know who's listening, so it's very nice. No, it's my favourite. Um, that, that, that you're listening to. I'm going to carry on walking to the stadium. Good to meet you all, boys. All right. Cheers. So I'm going to try and start this podcast again because when I tried it last night on the main street in Ann Arbor, it was very, very loud with United and Liverpool fans having a, a sing-off, which I've never seen before. Um, two groups of fans singing at each other. I think I only saw one punch thrown. Uh, if it was in England, it would be completely different. It's a buzzing place and they're expecting a crowd of 100,000 people today at the Michigan Stadium, also known as the Big House. I saw Manchester United play Real Madrid here four years ago in front of 107,000 people. It's the biggest crowd ever to watch a game of association football in North America. So I'm going to head down there shortly after going downtown. I'm with four lads, three of them are Manchester United fans. 
uh, who now live in the United States. They were all match-going Reds when they were in England and they still go back and go to games. Uh, one of them doesn't want to come on this podcast because he's too shy. He's called Dean. And we've got a Liverpool fan with us as well. Joel, who's from Ormskirk. Is it part of Merseyside Ormskirk or is it yeah, Lancashire? Lancashire? Yeah, it's but he, as you'll hear, he's definitely got a, a Scouse twang to his accent. And he's lived in South Florida and he was a season ticket holder in the Camlin Road stand, upper or lower? Upper. Right. No, it wasn't, it wasn't back then. Right, so pre-94, when they yeah. put the, the upper tier right on it. Next to the stand and away fans. So we'll talk about... Um, We'll talk about a little bit about Liverpool and he's saying that his season ticket used to be where the away fans were so that would be where the Arsenal fans went mental after winning the league in the last minute in 1989 <laughs> in that tiny pocket <laughs> and where Manchester United fans in 88 when came from 3-1 down to draw 3 all. and uh, I'm just trying to think uh, that, that section, that tiny section um, they used to just pack the the, the away fans into there at Anfield and Anfield's changed a lot now it's much much bigger 55,000 people and Liverpool have got a bit of a buzz about them it pains me to say it uh, but they've got a good team they reached the European Cup final and there's a real optimism among their fans they've got some very good players and when I saw Jurgen Klopp um, mixing with fans in Ann Arbor last night my first reaction was it contrasts strongly with Jose Mourinho not looking happy with the world on, on this tour and both of them will be judged by results but I don't think does Klopp any harm meeting hardcore Liverpool fans it wasn't contrived stuff they're, they're lads who've travelled over from here and he went and had a beer with them and I know he'll never be anyone's favourite on this podcast unless he joins Manchester United when everyone will completely revise their opinions of him so Kev you, you live in Connecticut now Yep. Um, originally um, from Coventry, went to United Games for years, went to European away matches. How are you feeling, um, first of all, about walking onto a dance floor full of 19 year olds <laughs> last night? <laughs> and secondly, about Manchester United this season? Firstly, feeling quite old. Um, and I'm feeling a little optimism about United this year. I'm just hoping that Lukaku carries on where he started at the start of last year and not where he finished and takes a bit of momentum from the World Cup. And I'm interested to see what Fred looks like. Uh, so hopefully he plays today at least for half. And Mourinho, is he the man to take United forward? What's your opinion of him? Uh, I think he is the best man for the job at the minute, but I think he's not really the man for the future, in my opinion. United needs to play with a certain style, and, um, and I, we just don't have that style. And I would rather see us draw 3-3 than win 1-0. Do you think he's lacking Daz? Originally from Gorton, is that right? Yeah. Live in San Francisco now? Yeah. Um, you were in Los Angeles, how was that the other day on the tour? Uh, yeah, from what I can remember of it, it was a decent game. You've not been uh, drinking like the other lads we had on the podcast, <laughs> have we? 17 cans. From not, not, not quite that many, but I've done, by, I've done a few by the time it started. How but, many? Um, um, 10. Like Ten that. pints. <laughs> How can you watch a game of football? Have you? Vodka. That's what I mean. That's why I was saying from what I can remember. But um, right. yeah, it was. So all just right. just run us through the Milan substitutes who came out. We was playing Milan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, I mean, I remember most of the game. Um, it was all right. I mean, that's my thing with United at the moment. I don't remember I'm just a miserable old cunt, but I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm, sure I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to have to edit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm just getting miserable on my old age, but I just, I don't enjoy watching United at the moment. Uh, I can't remember, you know, I can only remember a handful of games last season where I was really buzzing off, and you feel a bit detached living in the states. Uh, so you watch it on TV. Only got back for one game last season, but. Um, I don't know whether it's just you feel detached, but I just don't. I'm not buzzing enough at the moment. I just I've I've been pretty categoric with. I just actually pathologically hate Mourinho, so it's uh, it probably ruins it for me a bit. You say you say detached. Do you, do you read the fanzine? Do you listen to the podcast? Yeah, all that. Just keep in contact. Go on. Uh, go on the United Stand message board. Um, listen to the podcast. Read the mag. Uh, watch everything on TV about United. So keeping up to date with everything obviously but it's uh, it's not the same as going to the match with your mates is it every week so you've got a good life with your family in San Francisco but there must yeah. be some things you miss about living in Manchester I think I've been on record before and said the chipper 
<laughs> you, you can't get a good chippy over her, mate. I've said that before. You just they've tried it, they can't do it. So chipper, football, um, and, and, and your mates, yeah, yeah. But everything else, uh, I'd probably prefer in uh, California, to be honest, mate. But yeah, you can't replace your family and your mates and go into the match. But um, you know, five years now over here, so just got a green card actually, so uh, for the foreseeable. All right, we don't want your fucking life story. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. So in 1985. <laughs> um, welcome, Liverpool fan. How are you feeling about your club at the moment? Was was I right in my assessment? Or yeah, I actually nonsense. No, I couldn't be happier. I think uh, Klopp's made some fantastic buys over the summer. I think the keeper can be almost as good as by a seller. If you look at any. Um, successful team over the last 15, 20 years, even 30 years. The keeper has been like the bedrock of all the successful teams. We've got the forward sorted, we've got the attacking line sorted. Uh, so for us, it's very exciting. Who are Liverpool's greatest keepers? Would it be Clements and Grobler, I'd imagine, would be very popular? Yeah, Clements and Grobler. And uh, obviously Pepe Reina. Yeah, of um, But uh, yeah, I, me, it's all about Grobler because yeah. that's when I was going the game back in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, to do what he did in the final of the European Cup in Rome yeah. is, is pretty incredible, isn't it? Not that yeah. I'm going to give him any more, um, <laughs> yeah. any more credit. And Alisson, I saw him play for Roma a few times last year. He actually grew up three streets away from my wife in southern Brazil. And I'd oh. love to say that um, she knew him or used to babysit for him, but she'd never heard of him. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, no, no. Look, I think, um, you know, we, we conceded a lot of goals last season. And if we can not concede as many maybe 10 or 15 I think we're going to be right up there with City um, certainly above United How do you feel about <laughs> the big spenders of the league now? Do you think, yeah do, um, I mean Klopp made those comments uh, I mean, humans are allowed to change their mind aren't they Cause he, yeah. but he, he, he did look slightly hypocritical uh, to be honest I don't necessarily agree okay. uh, I think he's sold a lot of players and yeah. he's made a lot of money especially with Coutinho Um the, the keeper obviously it's a record signing and no one can argue he's, I think he spent what is it 150 million this summer yeah. um, but I think the market has just exploded over the last two years um, and that's just the, it's just a, a kind of uh, you know just the way the whole thing's going um, so if you've got to be successful and you've got to invest I think he's done it better than anybody I think his net spend is still pretty close to, to zero Did you miss Coutinho? I thought we would I actually think it um, paved the way for Salah to really come into his own. Um, and I think the, the attacking lineup we've got now is fantastic um, and, and very strong. So, as I say, I'm uh, looking forward to the, the season. How good is Salah? Before he goes to Barcelona, I mean. <laughs> I, think, um, I think he's a terrific player. Uh, I think he's, uh, you know, he's, he's up there. He's world class. I think in order to be a truly world class player, you need to do this for you know three, four, or five seasons. So I think um, he's certainly got the capability. He's got the, the teammates around him that are giving him the space. He's creating the space, um, and I think time will tell if he's truly a, a world class player. And I, I think he is. Klopp, brilliant. Why? Um, I think. He's just a great um, all-round manager. I think he can motivate a team well. I think he's got all of the fans on his side, all behind him. Um, he plays really exciting football. Um, sometimes too exciting, um, you know. And that's you know some of our problems last year with attack when really, you know, we wish we could have done a, a Mourinho and parked the bus and and secured the game, you know. But uh, so yeah. so exciting football. You've got Manchester United at home. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's nil nil and it's absolutely dreadful. Would you blame Mourinho? Why couldn't if you're that good? Why couldn't you break United's side down? Well, when you put like ten players behind the ball, it, it's tough. It doesn't matter what players you've got, and it's consistently like that. Um, I don't think you guys were entertained by the um, by the game. We certainly weren't. No. And even um, the United players were frustrated. Actually, yeah, and that to, they wanted to attack. You know, to be honest, and I, I don't mind saying it, under Ferguson, you were an absolutely fantastic side and a great team to watch. And living in the states for so long, I watched um, a lot of United games, and uh, I think you know to a certain extent um, United's gone backwards in, in terms of its ambition and its play the way you're, you're playing right now um, and I think Liverpool is definitely on the up and I think it, you know if you look at Liverpool City and Tottenham um, they're the teams that people want to watch and actually they're the teams that people want to go and play for right now 
you've not won the league title for 28 years. I mean, you used to hammer United. <laughs> I can remember yeah. going uh, yeah. and looking at a flag on the Camlin Road in 92 yeah. when we lost the league at Anfield. Right. And there were songs that day, have you ever seen United win the league? Uh, it was just a day it was one of the worst ever days following Manchester United and you know fair play to Liverpool you, you've managed to beat us to that record you've now done 28 years <laughs> well I was actually there when we were holding up signs saying 25 years so uh, yeah. I can remember that very clearly too um, I think it's a long time. yeah it's it's a it's been brutal um, we have won um, a, a Champions League in, in that time and that was exciting um, and we've been to two other finals um, but yeah the, the league is the priority we've got to go out there and we've got to we've got to try and win it and I think um, this season we've probably had our best chance in in probably the last 20 years so uh, I spoke to people from Milan this week oh, yeah. uh, about that Champions League game <laughs> they just say it is the worst moment not just in their football following life but in their life and some of them have just like taken it out of, uh, of the memory but I also spoke to Carragher about it and he was very analytical talking about how good that Milan team was oh, yeah. and I, I said to um to Jamie that 2007 Milan team they were brilliant best team in the world and he just cut me and said the 2005 team were better and I think he was right and he would know more than I would and he just said we felt like privileged to be on the same pitch as them and obviously what happened happened and but he said two years later we felt we could beat them and then yeah Milan obviously won but um, and that was all in relation to the decline of, of AC Milan and there's been times where I thought Liverpool were going the same way obviously you know, you're a huge football club I think United and Liverpool are by a distance the most popular sure. um, two English clubs I don't know what it's like in, in South Florida um, how, how popular are Liverpool and United in comparison with Barcelona, Madrid do you know other Liverpool fans down there or are there loads yeah. of like, New Wave City and Chelsea fans? Uh, no, there's. I think you're starting to see a few City fans yeah. pop up now. Having lived in America, you, you can see uh, the following kind of follows who's winning the league at the time to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, there's huge, a huge fan base for United, um, a big fan base for Liverpool. Um, and, you know, there's, I think there's a fan club in Tampa, a big fan club in Tampa for Liverpool. Um, I don't know about the United fan clubs, but um, you know there's a huge following, especially down in in Florida. I think, obviously, being um, you know a lot of South Americans being in Florida, a lot of them follow Barcelona. Yeah. Um, so there's a big following for those guys too. And at the LA Derby the other night, the Latino um, majority among the match-going fans was pretty stark, and it's it, they seem to be the people here, or at least in California, who were going to matches. Yeah. Um, <coughs> because that was their culture. And, and obviously football being played is seems to be more middle class with the soccer mums and uh, but I've seen lots of positives with regards to, to football here um, how do you think Manchester United will do this season do you think Liverpool will, will finish above United uh, 100% yeah yeah. I've got a bet on with a few of these lads around here <laughs> um, uh, very confident in it. It, it to me it's a question of uh, consistency now I think we know we can score goals um, and we've got a good keeper and a solid defence now and we've secured tightened up midfield um, yeah I think it'll be disappointing if we don't finish above United given the um, uh, money we've invested and given the potential we have with the players we've got what are your best and worst moments in Liverpool United games Ooh. I think do you want me to what, remind you of a few yeah you can remind <laughs> me of you like was that one at Old Trafford we won 4-0 was it 4-1 actually oh, was it 4-1 credit yeah. us we won gold <laughs> that would be uh, yeah, I wasn't there unfortunately yeah. but, well uh, just for some context yeah. um, that was March and, 2009 and the champions two months later were Manchester United <laughs> <laughs> still a great atmosphere though I still watch it on YouTube you know <laughs> um, small mercies but um, in terms of losses I, you know I've blanked them out my memory I don't don't particularly focus on them I can still take something from some of the defeats I remember 1990 losing 4-0 at Anfield getting taken apart by Peter Beardsley but the United fans that day were just brilliant you know we came away thinking you've seen your team get battered but you've still got great pride in in, in your team so we're going to head over to the stadium now what do you know about Michigan? Um, 
I don't know an awful lot about it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's got the biggest stadium, or second biggest stadium in the country. What, bigger than the cop? <laughs> <laughs> I think you could fit about four cops into this place. 109,000 people. Yes. I'm walking to the stadium, I've just bumped into a group of lads wearing, one's wearing a Dimitar Berbatov Foundation shirt, so I asked them, and they're, they're from Bulgaria, and you're actually from the same town as, as Dimitar. Yeah. Yeah. Just watch out so we don't get run over here. Um, there's parking spots near here, $60 each. It's incredible That's right. how, how much of a rip-off. So what's the name of your town? I should know this. Right. And describe your town. And is Dimi the most famous person to come from there? Of course, yeah. He is. We have to put his name on a, on One a second. city. Yeah. Now the city is Blagojevgrad, we put it Berbatovgrad. Yeah? Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> and In it, the future we'll do. Because he left quite young to go to yeah, the capital, yeah, yeah. didn't he? He was 19. Yeah. Yep. And what he went you, to CSK. Yeah. And he was brilliant there. He was awesome. And what, what do you think about him in your city? Are they proud of him? They, they are. Yeah? Yes. What's he like as a person? He's a very... Uh, He's a calm guy and uh, he's um, he's intelligent. He's private. Intelligent, yeah, for sure. He is intelligent, and I'm trying to find the other word. Um. And you know, when I I went to meet him, I did a big interview with him, and I've stayed in touch with him. And I told him a story about an Englishman who went to Bulgaria in the Second World War because he spoke Bulgarian and he was very passionate about your country. Okay. And, and he died there, serving your country. He worked with the partisans behind enemy lines. Wow. And a book was written about this. This was a young man who went to Oxford University. Okay. And I sent Dimitar a copy of, of the book. Because uh, this man basically... Awesome. And there's, a, there's now a village named after him in Bulgaria. Okay. And... Uh, you know, I thought name? it was a good story. His name is so well known that I've forgotten it, but as soon as I've stopped recording this, <laughs> I'm going to look at my WhatsApp message to Dimitar okay. and, um, and, and I'll tell and you the story. Have you been to Bulgaria? I've been to, I went to Bulgaria last August to meet, to meet Dimitar okay. um, to the capital Sofia okay. after Manchester United had played the, the Super Cup. In, in neighbouring Macedonia, in okay. Skopje. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They yeah. lost 2-1. Tell me about it. So I took, <laughs> I, I took a bus over the mountains and uh, I left. It cost about £15 to receive a text message in Macedonia and I came into Bulgaria, which is part of the EU. Okay. And suddenly I'm allowed to make phone calls That's again. right. <laughs> Good and experience. Then, and then I walked all around the city. I went to CSKA Stadium and... I was going to return to write an article about the derby game there. Okay. And I know some guys who were playing out there. Uh, Jordi Gomez. Okay, he plays for the rivals, yeah. Jordi was living in Wigan and I, I know him from Spain. That's right. And there's a former Manchester United player also playing Obertan. in Sofia. Gabriel yeah. Obertan. Yeah. So maybe Sorry this, um, about him. He, yeah, he's playing for Levski Sofia. We yeah. So about you're, him, yeah. you're CSKA, you're not Levski? Yes. yes. Yeah? CSKA for sure. And you're all wearing United shirts. So yep. you support CSKA we do. and uh, Manchester United. That's right. Yes. That's that's right, yeah. And Correct. why are you in in the United States? We live here. You live here now. Yes. And what you do? What do you do here? Everything. You do everything. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> How long have you lived here? Things, yeah. uh, ten years now. Okay. And do you often go back to Bulgaria? Uh, not that often. Okay. I'm not going to ask you too many questions yes. about, <laughs> about what you're doing here. No. Just to say that I hope you enjoy living here and keep wearing a Manchester United That's shirt. Right. And I'll send this now to, to Dimitar. And we watch every single Manchester United game with this guy. Yeah? Every weekend we, we gather together, we drink beer and we watch Manchester United. Yeah. How would you feel Even when about... the game is at 6 a.m. How are you feeling about United this season? I think they'll be a little better than last season. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay, look at this jackass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to speak to some Liverpool fans. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I think we'll be better than last season, but yeah. I think we're still not ready for the winning the the, the, champ, the being a champion. Brilliant. Thank you for your time, all of you. Thank you very much. So, United have just been beaten 4-1 by Liverpool, and I'm waiting for the players to come through. And with Rob Dawson, who's been a previous guest on this podcast from ESPN. Rob, what did you make of that? Well, it was comfortable in the end for Liverpool, wasn't it? But. Yeah. And it's never nice to get beaten by Liverpool, you know, whether it's pre-season or an FA Cup final. But you know, Liverpool are, are much further along in their preparation. Yeah. This was their seventh game of pre-season. Um, most of their first-team squad back. United obviously had to field a, a young side. Um, lots of key players missing. You know, that might be putting a too positive a spin on it. But you know, it's pre-season. It's it's not about results. It's about getting a few minutes in, in the legs and stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, you've been stuffed by Liverpool. It's it's never nice. Were there any bright points today? I thought Pereira's goal was good and I think he's been 
one of the better players pre-season, if not the best player. Yeah, you know, he's got a, a lovely free kick and that's obviously like the, the, the highlight of the game for, for United, but his all-round performance I thought was quite good. Um, you know, he's, he's in quite a difficult situation coming back. You know, he's almost playing for his future game after game. It, it's, it must be quite unnerving really for, for a young player to, to be under that kind of pressure because obviously you know we're told he wants to stay um, fight for his place so he's under quite a lot of pressure at the moment and to, and to come up with a performance like that against Liverpool in front of 100,000 fans is you know is, is admirable really um, you know, hope hopefully Mourinho will have seen enough in that to think that he can hang around at Old Trafford next season um, if not he's probably going to have to go on loan again but I think that might be a little bit of a waste where do you go on loan what's higher level than Valencia well, you know it's you, you make the move then don't you I think he's done all that he can do and he's versatile surely he can be a, an addition for Manchester United he's been playing as a defensive midfielder now he's not going to knock um, the Man Matic out of the side but technically he's a really good footballer he is you know, and another thing that's probably why Mourinho's had him down as that, as that number six and you're right, you, know, you can play anywhere, you can play anywhere across that front three, probably. His favourite position is, is uh, just off the striker. Yeah. Isn't that the same for every footballer, though? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Look, you're right. I mean, if, if he's gonna, if he's not going to get a chance at United next season, he may well be looking to, to leave permanently because he already showed last year that he's not going to hang around for, for scraps. You know, he ultimately defied Mourinho, didn't he, at the end of the transfer window and said look I'm going to go to Valencia even though you want to keep me which... I don't blame him no no he, he wasn't even in the match day squad for the first yeah. three games having done well pre-season yeah. what more could he have done yeah where's you know, his reward it, it shows quite a lot about him there that it would be very easy to stick around and, and play a couple of cup games but to go against his manager and can go and get more games in a, in a tough league like Spain showed a lot about him and hopefully he'll have shown enough on this tour to, to make Mourinho think twice and, and you know maybe include him in a in a couple of games next season and just have him around the squad because that's the thing that's going to make him a better player not not training every day and then sitting on his hands on the weekend What have you made of Mourinho's demeanour? Um, you know what in the first press conference he came round and he shook all the English lads hands you know and it might seem like a, a small thing but he's not always been like that and I kind of thought that maybe showed that he was a little bit happier a little bit more content Unfortunately, though, since that moment, he seems to have, have gotten more and more unhappy with, with how things are going. Um, and I don't blame him for, for bits of it, obviously. You know, he hasn't got a lot of his players here. Uh, he wants more players in before the, the deadline. I can, I can understand where he's coming from, but, you know, your manager of Manchester United, it's, it's your job to, you know, to put a face on it. You know, even if he doesn't think that he can win the league, which he may not do, come out and say that he can you know, that's, that's what the Man United manager has to do. It's sport, it's entertainment, yeah. it's irrational. You can give people hope. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's the point of turning up every week. If there's no hope, then what, what's the, what are we all doing here? Uh, and that's the reason that United fans go to Old Trafford every week. They, they go around, they go to the games to balloon about in the, in the Stratford end when they score, or, and that's the whole point of it. But part of that comes with the manager. You know, just build it up a little bit, make it exciting. People want to look forward to the new season. They don't want to start pre-season thinking oh we're going to get bumped every week and that's kind of the message that Mourinho's been sending out you know to say that they might struggle against Leicester and Brighton in the first few games even if that's going to happen you know and it may happen because they have got a lot of players away but just to say that I think sends out the wrong message it's also got a lot of players here it's a huge talented squad and it's all right saying we need another central defender and maybe we do it's been backed they bought two central defenders in the last two years at 30 million pounds each exactly you know, and even bringing in Sanchez in January, he's one of the best players in the Premier League for Arsenal. You know, to bring him halfway through the season, this should be his season to really kick off. So just say that. Say, you know, say we should be excited about Sanchez. Say that, you know, the squad's going to be, the young players are going to be a year older and more experienced. You know, just create a bit of excitement. You know, whether, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But you should, I think you should have sent a different message out. So next stop, Miami, against Real Madrid for the final game of the American part of the tour. Yeah, and... You, know, you do start to worry a little bit now because it has it will it'll be disappointing for these young lads to lose 4-1 even though there are you know circumstances around that and you know Madrid will be missing a few players but you, you do worry about coming up against a, a team of that quality with, with the players that they've still got available what might happen in Miami hopefully uh, they can get something out of it you know a few good performances a bit of confidence and then on to Bayern Munich in um, in Germany the, the danger is that the mood that's kind of enveloping this whole tour gets a little bit suffocating and they get walloped again in, in Miami stuffed again in, in Munich and then all of a sudden you start the season and, and confidence is is a little bit down for that first game which which really it shouldn't be because you know results don't really mean anything here um, it's just about 
building a bit of confidence and, and getting ready to go when the season starts. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Reds. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.